1: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
2: From the over-the-top studios at Scratch Labs in Boulder, Colorado, I'm George Thomas. Boulder Ballet is the Nutcracker series with Peter Davison. It is such an honor to be talking with you, Herr Drosselmeyer.
1: Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Honor to be here.
2: Now, Peter, how is it, every time I've seen you perform, whether it's The Nutcracker, The Little Prince, uh, at, at Waldorf, at the circus, you always bring a, a magic and an excitement to, to what you do. How do you do
1: that? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, boy, I don't know how, it, I could probably go kinda deep, but uh, I mean, I basically started doing what I do as a kid. Uh, And so it's just kind of what I do I I got into sort of uh, light-hearted, whimsical Different forms of art at a young age And it just that's the direction I went Kind of based on people that were teaching me Through my impressionable years And uh, so that's what I do I mean, it's uh, juggling and physical theater And physical comedy And uh, those things tend to uh, be exciting For people to watch and to do
2: now, lighthearted and whimsical, you actually bring that to your Drosselmeyer character, which I love, and I think the audience as a whole really enjoys. I mean, I've seen different performances of the Nutcracker where he's almost yeah. a dark character, but you make him fun.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I think those are sort of the the two types of uh, Drosselmeyer: the dark one or the light one. And and uh, I think the dar- from what I've seen there, usually it's a little bit of a darker. I would almost call sometimes creepy character. And uh, so in Boulder Ballet with myself and also with Anna Claire and just in Boulder Ballet in general, we decided a while back to go with the more whimsical, lighthearted character who might be somebody that you wouldn't mind actually having at a party. <laughs> Although it's <he's> a pretty <laughs> eccentric person. Uh, you know, somebody who doesn't scare little kids. <laughs> so that was kind of the the the, you know, beginning point of how we developed that character.
2: (laughs) Now I have to ask you this, I've always kind of thought this about the Nutcracker, but um, with with Fritz, I I really enjoy Fritz because he's like the lone villain, the the one human who actually is, is kind of mean in the production. But in a way, the villain always makes the story and I thought Fritz breaking the Nutcracker, is him breaking that present to Clara the reason you give her the dream, which is the ultimate present. Uh,
1: interesting idea. Um, that could be in other productions. Our storyline in our particular version is that the entire thing is a dream, so the dream is, has started before that moment. The entire party scene is a dream. So, uh, so that's just part of her dream is this conflict with her brother and, uh, you know, it's just, I think in our production and in some other productions as well, that moment is really something that is where Clara sort of, she really likes the doll when she gets it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that sort of brings out more of her sympathy of like, oh, my gosh, my doll got hurt. You know, it's and now he's draw some artists put a bandage on it. And so it's that kind of starts to, I think, uh, draw her sort of heartfelt connection to it and to start to think of it as a person more that gets injured you know and I want to take care of this even though it's just a little doll so then that kind of translates then to later in the story when the doll comes to life and becomes a person they have some kind of a relationship that uh that, to me, is what that moment is about, that sort of like draws her heart to the to the doll. And maybe or maybe not, Drosselmeyer had something to do with the planning of that. We don't quite know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: now, your Drosselmeyer changed from the first uh, year I saw the production, 2012, to last year. You, you actually made quite a change to the, the production as a whole. Were you a part of that?
1: Yeah, last year was the unveiling of a whole new scenic design after oh, it was beautiful. many, many years of, of a previous design. Uh, the previous design was, was what you might call a dark design, which could go with sort of a darker feeling of the story and a lot of the characters, the Drosselmeyer and things like that from that era. Uh, it's a really Eastern European kind of more heavy dramatic. So we decided to change it to, I, I had some role in the, in, on the design team of the new scenery and and that was one place where in addition to Drosselmeyer being lighter that the whole production would be lighter both like literally the lighting and the colors are lighter and they would just bring people into uh, a lighter mood.
2: Now you also brought some of your other talents into that character you're able to do some juggling I love that you have the mice throwing cheese (laughs) yeah yeah but how is it you're juggling it's so choreographed how are you able to do that and and actually make it work in time to the music.
1: Yeah, I think that just has to do with uh unlike many jugglers that I had a pretty big dance background and so and then also being a choreographer and so that that's made me uh I mean when you work that way that closely with music you just become really attuned to music and to the pulse of the music or the time signature and that music really for me usually creates the structure, even in a juggling piece that I'm doing, it's more of a choreographic structure rather than a traditional juggling act, which is sort of music in the background, and the juggler does their thing, and they both go ta-da at the the very end. Uh, That, like, uh, down to individual movements or individual throws of an object are, are choreographed on a particular beat. So, you know, if the orchestra is playing faster one night, then the juggling is faster. You know, if they play slower, then the juggling is slower, because it's all... Set to the music, pretty much.
2: So the orchestra really has an effect on what you do as a performer.
1: Yeah, it's it's a great thing. Sometimes it's a little difficult, but it's overall a great thing performing with a live orchestra, which most Nutcrackers in the United States don't have the opportunity to do. It's usually a playback of a of a file. So um, so we have that uh, that advantage over a lot of other productions. It just makes it really alive. S- you know, sometimes the dancers are sort of like, Whoa, what's going on? We got you know, I can't <laughs> I can't stay in the air this long. It's a little slow, you know? I'm like, I'm <laughs> trying, but the th- gravity the music got slower and the gravity did not change, so I'm working but, you know, uh it depends on the conductor too. Some conductors are better at sort of at at picking up the tempo of dancers, or some use metronomes. You know, a lot of professional ballet conductors use a metronome to at least get it off to a good start. Uh, So you never quite know what's gonna happen there. There's usually a little bit of variation from performance to performance, and that just, I think, keeps it alive.
2: Now, what's the energy you get from the audience, especially in a theater like Mackie, where the lights are down in the audience, as opposed to a performance you're doing where the lights are up? uh, And you can see everyone's reaction to what you're doing. (laughs)
1: Well, uh, it's different. It's what we call in the theater the fourth wall, which is there's the three walls of the stage, the back and the sides, even if they're not literally walls. But then there's this sort of idea of a fourth wall in the f- between the performer and the audience, which when the lighting is like that, when it's bright on stage and dark in the house, that performers can't see the audience very well past the first couple of rows. Uh, then you're kind of more in your own world. And, uh, you know, we're all trained to project out to the people up at the balcony, even though we really can't see them at all, Um, just as a kind of theatrical projection. So it's just just very different if you're in a lighted space, you know, where the audience, you can see the audience, it's more intimate space, then there's a lot more uh, legitimate eye contact that happens. And in in the opera house, it's more like I'm kind of looking in that general section of 100 people over there. Somewhere. That's
2: interesting, <laughs> though, because you are able to make that connection with the audience, even with the lights down. And I've always really admired that in your performances.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's part of using the imagination, too, because, you know, at some level, even if you've got props and costumes and scenery, it's it's all a pantomime. Like, you're you're having to imagine. I mean, things look different on stage than they do to the audience, you know, when... When I look over to the side, I see the stage manager all dressed in black standing over there yelling something into his headset, you know, because something's going wrong and there's people on the floor stretching and there's somebody carrying some props and the lighting is like in my face and but the audience doesn't see that. So, you know, but when I look over there, I got to be, you know, imagining. Well, that's like, you know, some the rat king is about to appear or whatever the story is. So I think it's the same thing with relating to an audience. You know, it's like if you can't see them like you, you're still playing that you can.
2: And do you feed off the audience? I mean, you've been performing all your life. Is that do you do you still get nervous before you go on for a? uh
1: I get I get nervous sometimes. It kind of depends, and uh, it can be different kinds of nervousness. Like sometimes, if a performance doesn't go well, in my opinion, as far as my own role, then then that could be. You know it depends on what happens like uh, sometimes if it's if it's an outside something went wrong that makes you mess up like that can actually loosen you up and things get better everything is different sometimes things go perfectly and it's just the most nerve-wracking thing because of being concerned about something uh, so uh, there's kind of a chemistry It's probably diet and how much coffee one drinks and you know who who you talk to beforehand before going on stage or you know, little little stuff just makes... Uh, so I've just found I can't really predict when I go out if, if I'm going to feel nervous or not. But but I've done a lot of really nerve-wracking things. The most nerve-wracking things for me have been live television shows where trying to go out and do a very technical uh-huh. juggling thing, and it's live TV, especially in other countries. There's, there's still a lot of live TV shows, and over the years, you know, having to pull those things off would be perfect, you know, with just a few minutes to go out there and do it, that other things don't seem as nerve-wracking in comparison. So... So I, I, like, I really you know like the Nutcrackers in an opera house. and It's a big deal. And the music just keeps going. And you, you try to not mess up. But, it, but I just try to go out there feeling like it's a community event. And it's just really about the performers and the audience all interacting together. And that, that's the main thing. It's, it's not whether it goes perfectly. And, and it's that concern about perfection that causes nervousness, I think.
2: Now, there is a role that I just see you being the perfect cast for. But I've got to know, what is your favorite role of all time? and that role I can see you in just perfectly is Willy Wonka.
1: (laughs) Oh, Oh. of potential roles? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. No, I was thinking more like the robot from Day the Earth Stood Still. uh, (laughs) I'm tired of being funny. No, (laughs) I just want a mask. (laughs) And I want to melt things. No, uh, yeah, Willy Wonka's great. Uh, Yeah, he's very whimsical. And the fun thing about him was... um, you know, sometimes he got kind of dark in that movie. Absolutely. And so that's the great thing, I think, is when there's both the light and the dark. So I'm working on this new character called Mr. Whimsy. In fact, I have, I have a new wems- website, mrwhimsy.com, and the idea oh, really? is like this whimsical, because I just tried to analyze what is what is it that I do, and, and it is just whimsical. And so, you know, uh, I, I was sort of like, well, so instead of trying to describe what it is, like, you know, Peter's juggling show or something, and who who is that person? And it's kind of like a, like who is Willy Wonka, you know, or who is Mr. Bean? So I, I kind of came up with this idea of Mr. Whimsy W I M Z Y <laughs> uh, that I'm playing with. And the really fun thing when I imagine what that could be has that is that it you know one maybe expects like oh it's going to be like light you know fun things happening, but then to include every now and then a sort of surprising dark element could be really exciting.
2: Now, how do you keep the nutcracker fresh? Or uh, is it
1: Well, it's easy to stay to keep that ancient production fresh. Well, it's all the productions are different. It's it's one of those ballets that was never really I think written down. Th- you know, the the way like Swan Lake, there there's a mm-hmm. lot of that material that is sort of traditional and is and is done there. There's really only one sort of traditional dance in the Nutcracker that is still done, which is the Grand Pas de Deux, which we don't even do in this production, but some other companies sort of bring back. But that most of it's been lost because the original production wasn't very well received. So so it's one of those ballets that choreographers tinker with. And so all the versions look really different, um, except for a few things like Fritz Drops the Nutcracker or, you know, there's stuff like that that's kind of the same. But uh, so... I think uh, when different choreographers come in, like when Lance and Amy came in last year, along with the new scenery and created new choreography, that just freshens up a lot of it. Why and then the other it? element is there's always a different cast because uh, half of the cast are, are children, you know, and the children keep growing up in the ballet school. And so there's always new, this influx of new dancers that just that alone will keep it fresh.
2: And how many is this for you?
1: How many years have been doing it? Mm hmm. Uh, well, my first Nutcracker was 1989, and uh, it wasn't even in Boulder, but then the next year was Boulder Ballet, but we only did it in Longmont with the Longmont Symphony because the Boulder Philharmonic at that time was engaging a different company from Denver to come and do it, and so uh, I think 1990 was the first Boulder Ballet production at Mackey Auditorium. And I've done almost all of so one role or another. I mean, I started as the cavalier and the, and different dolls, you know, more dancing roles and stuff, and then evolved into the Drosselmeyer role. And probably only missed a, a f- couple of Nutcrackers in that whole time. But
2: every year you've done this, it's someone else's first year that they've been in the performance. So I yeah. see how that, what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, it's when you, s- even if you're doing the same thing, you know, Uh, you look at the new dancers coming in and it's new and and then you just get a new perspective.
2: So Peter, whats I can't imagine you having a typical day, but what's your uh, normal day like for you as far as fitting in rehearsal?
1: Um, It kind of varies. I I usually these days fit in rehearsal early in the day and and that's always nice because there's more energy and I just feel sharper in, in the morning time. So I mean, my usual day is, is kind of like a lot of dancers or movement artists, which is training and rehearsing early in the day, teaching in the afternoon, uh, and then sometimes either rehearsing or performing in the evening, especially later in, in the week. But I also i do a lot of i do a lot of uh, performing in schools and things like performing early in the day. So sometimes I have to get up really early and go and do a eight thirty in the morning show in some school in Denver or some place and so you're right there is no sort of you know it's it's not the same schedule day after day but that's probably the average is you know work out in the morning rehearse teach you know and then either eat dinner or do a performance
2: and then how involved with boulder ballet do you continue to be are you going from one production right to the next
1: Well, I'm an independent contractor now with Boulder Ballet. So at this point, I mean, last year I did a couple of things. I did some choreography for the Mother's Day show, The American in Paris. Uh, And I'm doing the Nutcracker. Uh, I'm going to be down there on the Boulder Mall for the Munchkin Parade, which is the big Halloween event where we hand out candy and, and postcards about the Nutcracker coming up. And we'll be there in costume myself and a few other people, dancers in costumes. And so... You know, so I kind of pop in and do different different things as needed.
2: Well, I encourage everyone to come to the performances of the Nutcracker. Can you tell us what days those are taking place?
1: uh yeah, it's a Thanksgiving weekend at Mackey Auditorium in boulder uh and there's an issue with with the uh the football game every other year in Boulder every other year the team is gone to somewhere else but it's a home game and because they're in this new conference, it's all about television and uh, we cannot have a show at Mackey Auditorium on the day of the football game basically because they don't release the time of the show. There's no parking for both events. So, so we have kind of a weird schedule. I, I think it's two performances on the Friday after Thanksgiving and then uh, a performance on the Sunday.
2: So nothing on that Saturday.
1: Nothing on Saturday un- unless there's sort of a to be determined show. Uh as far as I know, we're not doing that because the, the the we won't know what time the game is until it's a couple weeks out.
2: Uh and then there are two in Longmont the following weekend. And
1: then the following weekend, yeah, the first weekend in December will be in Longmont, Saturday the and Sunday.
2: Will you be at the Nutcracker Tea?
1: Uh, I have been every year up until now. This year I won't be, this first year that I won't be able to be there, unfortunately. Uh, And it's a little bit uh, up in the air. I have to, I don't, because I don't know my exact schedule that weekend in my conflicting gig. I'm hoping to be able to pop in maybe and be there for some of it, but uh, I may not be there at all. It's hard to tell right now.
2: Well, Peter Davison, it's been a real pleasure visiting with you today. Thanks very much.
1: Well, Thanks so much for having me.
2: Boulder Ballet is the Nutcracker series from the over the top studios at Scratch Labs here in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas.
0: Hold up.